Well, welcome back, everybody. I know it's it's been a minute. Uh, Christina was trying to survive finals week, so yeah, big grind. We decided, yeah, so we decided to take a bit of a a bit of a sabbatical, but we are back and better than ever. <laughs> so this week, I really want we really want to talk about girl code. Uh, I think that, you know, what was it? We were talking about the MTV show, Girl Code, and and how that show was talking about, like, rules of being a woman and stuff. And it was just such a weird show. And I think that along with that, like, we, we as feminists feel like there is this unity between women. And it's something that we should get into. And it's something we should discuss. So what do you think, Christina, is the epitome of girl code? Like, what do you think is the top rule? Yeah, I definitely think we should define girl code um, for people who don't exactly know what we're talking about. And I know a lot of guys who listen to this podcast. So I think we should definitely uh, kind of have a running definition. I am someone who has probably majority guy friends over girlfriends um just in my own life so my female friendships have always been super important to me that I keep in contact with those those women in my life who have really like meant something to me uh, and been good friends to me so for me it's just treating your female friendships well treating people with respect um not doing to others something that you wouldn't want done to you looking out for each other um, I remember in a previous episode, Lainey, you said something, I think it was the dating episode, it was episode two, and you said one of the most attractive things a guy can do is um, let you walk on the inside. If you're walking down the street, let you walk on the inside because it recognizes that women, you know, we, we are, are at a, a bigger risk for being hurt. So I think that that's kind of along the same lines of how I think about Girl Code is recognizing that, hey, as women, we are more likely to be kind of battered um, in our, not, not I mean, physically and uh, emotionally in, in relationships because there is this kind of pressure on women to be competing with one another and kind of tearing each other down as opposed to building each other up. So for me, it's just, Girl Code is just, refusing to abide by those rules and so yeah it's just respecting each other I think what do you what do you think it is what's your definition of it have you ever read the theorist Elaine Showalter I have not okay so basically she has this theory it's really really great and uh it's called the wilderness and essentially what it is is that she argues that women kind of exist in this duality and that when they communicate and when they write and when they express themselves in the world, they're doing it in two languages. One, which is the reality in which we exist, which is a male dominated and the wilderness, which is where the feminine experience resides that isn't really comprehended within the scope of reality because the way that we are experiencing the world is through a male dominated lens. And so women understand what it is like to experience the world that way, but we also understand what it's like to experience the world and express ourselves in a female perspective in a way that only women really can understand. And so I think it's really interesting, this idea of the wilderness, and she used it kind of in a sense of language and how women are almost speaking two languages at once, because we have to speak both the language of the feminine experience and the language of the general population, which is a male perspective. However, I see it a lot with girl code. And I think that it's, 
it's that understanding of that, of that general relationship to the world that women have and they experience that isn't really understood by men. And I think that that's why girl code is so important because it's not, you know, like you can't date my boyfriend. You can't wear these shoes on Wednesdays. We wear pink kind of thing. To me, it's more of a mutual understanding of recognizing the dangers and looking out for women because we all experience our lives or the feminine experience in, as Elaine Showalter calls it, the wilderness and this, this area that isn't quite defined or recognized by society as a whole. So to me, that's really where it's important. And I think that safety in Girl Code is really like what coincides the most. But I think that there's a lot of other things about looking out for women and expressing these things because we have that weird duality of existing in both worlds. Speaking of um, what you said about you can't date my boyfriend, that's that's one of the uh, kind of pillars of Girl Code that stands out to me. This is the age-old question. Is it okay to date a friend's ex? How do we feel about this? It depends, okay? I think it depends how long you dated for, number one. How close the friendship is really matters. If it's your best friend, like, no, no, don't date the ex. Um, if it's what just if your like, best friend, what if your best friend gave you their blessing? Would you still be okay with it? Or would you feel like it was wrong? I think that women feel compared a lot to other women mm-hmm. because women are compared to other women and imagine feeling compared to your best friend. I just feel like that's dangerous. But if it's somebody who you guys, I think it also depends on how you meet. Okay. Like if I met that person through my best friend, no, that's, that's weird. You can't date an ex that way. If you guys were all three best friends growing up together and you know, they tried and they dated for a while, this sounds like, you know, the start of a weird sitcom movie <laughs> type thing, yeah. but like, then they broke up and then the other two started dating. You know, it's different. I think it depends on a lot about like how you meet. I think it depends on how the breakup was, how long they were together. It depends on a lot of things. What do you think? Um, so I'm particularly passionate about this because I actually had a friend do that to me. I was dating a guy for a while and then we broke up and then she started dating this person and it was really, it wasn't, I wasn't, okay. I was over this person. I didn't want to be with this person. Like it's not, I'm not saying that I was jealous. I wasn't jealous. Like I, I was the one to break it off. I was not into it. Like didn't want to date this person, but this person, are you raising your hand? Yes. (laughs) Wait, wait, did she ask? for your permission. No, she did not. She didn't. <gasps> See, that's shady. You have right. to like, be open about this. Yeah. But like, honestly, the whole time, um, I do, I do feel as though you were totally right when you said that people would compare us to each other and everyone, the general consensus was like, why, who would in their right mind would date their friend's ex without asking? So yeah, I don't, I'm not about it. I don't, I don't want to date any of my friend's exes. Not, I mean, I don't want to say never because there, I think there are certain circumstances like what you just said where it's appropriate, but I think by and large, it's inappropriate. Like, Absolutely. I think by and large, yeah. I think the other interesting thing is, is, okay, so women a lot of the time, something that really bothers me is that men call dibs and they treat women like we're the front seat in your mom's minivan. We're not. We're a person. You can't call dibs on a person. 
that's not how it works. It takes away the autonomy of the woman. It takes away the choice of the woman. I find it fundamentally problematic that anybody thinks they can call dibs on anything that isn't a candy bar. Like it just, it's not, you can't do it to a person. But to me, it it almost, sometimes I feel like, I, I feel like we're doing the reverse of that when we make these never ever lists. And it's like, you can never ever date this person. And I get that, you know, I think that it's, it's a selfish thing in a way. And it's sometimes a thing where women are, and and I'm sure men do it too. Actually, I know plenty of men who do this, who are like, you can't date this person. Uh, And it, it, to me is almost the same kind of thing. It's like an anti-dibs. Like if I can't have her, nobody can. If I can't have him, nobody can. And I get that it's for our own emotional standpoint. And it sucks when you're in that position like what you were in. But at the same time, do you see what I mean? There's like a struggle there of not treating somebody like the front seat of your mom's minivan. Yeah, totally. And like, for me, like, I I don't want to say that I would never, ever do that because I do agree. Never, ever lists are dangerous. And they put us in these boxes that like feel very uncomfortable like to me. And, but I do think like, for me, I don't want to date my friend's exes. I know all the crap that they pulled in the past. I don't want to, you know what I mean? If you know that they weren't a good, like a good boyfriend or a good match for her, why do you want to like put yourself in that position to be hurt by that person in the same way or worse than your friend was? You know what I mean? Like that's where I stand on that. I don't know. I think getting into that whole idea of comparing, I think that this is another topic of girl code that we should talk about. I am so against women comparing themselves to other women. It is so dangerous. It's so toxic. It is either you building yourself up by putting somebody else down or putting yourself yourself down from built, like raising somebody up onto a pedestal. No matter what, it isn't healthy. I saw this. I don't know what her name is, but she is this girl on TikTok who she does like a really interesting accent. She has short hair and she does like all these TikToks that are, you know, supposed to be like empowerment and like you're a bad bitch kind of thing and she does one and it's like you stop comparing yourself to other women you're all beautiful paintings and masterpieces in a museum you can't compare one to the other they're just different but they're both there for a reason and they're both beautiful and I think that there's a lot of truth to that and I think that that's something that really needs to be inscribed in the girl code more is not comparing ourselves because it gets back to that whole general kind of basic white girl thing or basic bitch thing of like all women are the same one is you know maybe a better maker model than the other and the truth is that we're not we are all unique we are all our own person we aren't objects right and I think that when you compare yourself to another woman or to another person it says way more about you and where you're feeling, how, where you are inside and not about that person. Because I think there are, especially in the age of social media, it's really easy to look like everything is fine on the outside. But usually I think when you take a closer look at people, it's not always the way it seems. Like everyone is going through something on the, on the inside that no one, no one has anything, any idea about. So yeah, I do think that that, com- that comparing is dangerous. And I do think that our society fosters that in women. I think that the beauty industry largely um, is kind of like hinges itself on like, 
oh, I want to look like this person. Like, what can I do to have those eyebrows or to have those lips? Or like, it's just, I, I agree that um, it's dangerous. And I think that society, some of the, some of the constructs in our society set us up for that in a way. No, absolutely. I think that it's really important. I think, you know, new rule for girl, for girl code is rewriting the standards and rewriting the values that we hold ourselves to and that we compare ourselves to others to, because it should be girl code is, it should be about us building each other up and, you know, helping us fight the oppressors rather than interpolating that identity and becoming an, and becoming an oppressor ourselves. When women sit there and they put other women down because they're not fitting into some sort of mold or, you know, category that society has instilled in us to, you know, perpetuate, what you're doing is you're becoming part of the oppression. You're becoming part of the patriarchy instead of fighting against it. And I think that it kind of can get back to that idea of the dichotomy between the wilderness that Showalter discusses and the reality that we exist in. And so when you put women down, you are inherently becoming part of that male perspective reality and rejecting that side of yourself that is part of the wilderness. And when you do that, you're only pushing it further out of the, you know, societal lens and the ability to have it seen and heard and have the feminine experience known. So so kind of on this same topic, on the same brand, when I think about Girl Code, another thing that comes to my mind is, you know, in the workplace, in school, in a professional environment, there's kind of this stereotype that women are kind of always in competition with each other and always trying to kind of tear each other down and like claw their way to the top. And, you know, how do you handle that? Have you ever experienced something like that? I think we should probably, I think we probably owe it to ourselves and to women in general to kind of speak to that and whether it exists and like how we can deal with that as women, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You hear what I just did? Did you hear what I just did? I just said, if that makes sense. Yes, it makes sense, Christina. Oh my gosh. It makes sense. Of course it makes sense. I can't believe you just did that. Oh, what you're saying is valid. What you're saying is making sense. (laughs) So when I worked in fine, I had an internship in finance and I was told before going in by multiple men that the the men were going to be nice to me and the women were going to be mean to me. And I was so scared going in and anytime a woman who wasn't even mean to me, but just, you know, was busy doing her own thing, like had stuff going on because it was her job and I was an intern and she was a boss and, and like, I would try and like take time to talk to her. And she's like, I don't have time for you right now, which is valid because I was an intern. People would write it off and be like, it's because she's a woman. And so I think that, you know, there is that, perspective in society that women are really out to get each other because there can only be so many successful women. And, you know, because we live in the world of men and the world of male dominated workforce and male dominated workforces in different work spheres. But it's so problematic because when you associate that, you're just perpetuating those stigmas. Okay. Like it, it gets back to the idea of tokenizing women in the workplace. And we should be so far past that. We've surpassed the point where a woman in the workplace or a woman in power or a woman in finance or a woman as a doctor should be tokenized, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I will speak to my own experience in this as well. I 
I will say a majority of my biggest cheerleaders in my, you know, professional life thus far in my education have been women. More women have come to my aid as a young professional person than men. And that's not to say that like, you know, men aren't cheerleaders. They, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I don't make that generalization, but in my own experience, more women have come to my aid and my defense and have been friends to me in a professional way than men have. So I don't, I don't understand really where that comes from because that has not been my experience at all. The women I, that I know, most of them are cheerleaders way before they're like out to get you or tear you down. I think it's a really big stigma in finance and in business because it is such a male dominated place. And that's where that competitive drive kind of comes in, but I'm not sure where it comes from, but I really want to talk about how do you think we kind of can combat this? How can we as next generation leaders go into positions of power where we are, you know, endorsing women to take charge and endorsing women to rise to the rise to challenges rather than reproducing the stigma of women putting other women down? Um, I don't know. I think that that's a big question. I think it depends on what field you're going into and like what opportunities there are to build other women up. So I think just like going the extra mile for someone, you know what I mean? Like if someone's like, Hey, I missed class. Like, do you have notes? Like getting those notes to them and, you know, just helping each other out, you know, going out and going out of your way to do a favor for someone, I think is like a good, a good start. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I feel like when I'm, when I hopefully become an attorney one day, I'll be able to mentor young women and kind of endorse whatever it is their pursuit, whatever it is in their pursuits that they may need a mentor for. But I think that because we are women and because we are so sub, we're so much subjected to scrutiny from men that it's a double-edged sword. Like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If we are hard on women or we don't go the extra mile for women, then it's because, you know, we're out to get them because we don't want them to take our place. And if we are too nice to women, it's because we hate men and we only want to help women out and we're sexist in that way. So I feel like it's, it's a really hard line to walk because you don't want to be scrutinized. But as a woman, no matter what, you're subjected to scrutiny, which is once again, as I reaffirm this, why girl code is so important. Another, another thing of girl code that I like have experienced in my life is I don't know about you, but there's this trope that women always go to the bathroom together. Do we want to talk about this? Like, is this the way we're going to segue now? <laughs> yes. Let's get into going to the bathroom together. Why do we do it? Let's talk, like, let's answer why first. Why do we do okay, it? Well, first of all, I think that it's become a habitual thing. And I have to say bathroom times in a crowded bar are the best times with your girlfriends. Like that is when it is, it is the epitome of the night. You're all in there. You're all drunk. You're all having fun. You're all talking, you're gossiping. You're like reapplying your lip gloss, whatever it is, like the basic things that women do in the bathroom. But to another extent, I think that there is the importance of safety and the fact that women can't go to the bathroom alone. Because the walk from your group of friends to the bathroom in the back of the crowded club is a risk. Mm -hmm. And like we, I, I'm sure I've gone to the bathroom by myself in a crowded bar before. 
and it is a risk when you walk back there you don't know how many times you're going to have your butt grabbed or have a creepy man try and kiss you or you know have like weird men crowd around you all of these things have happened to me all of them have happened and i just nor- we normalize it so when you're in a crowd and you're with a friend or you're in a group people know that you're safe you're with someone else you're not as much at risk to get kidnapped and that's so ridiculous that we can't go to the bathroom by ourselves without fear of being groped because we're women. No, I, 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 I don't totally experience this. I think every woman has. Um, and then men make fun of it. Men make fun of women going to the bathroom together. And it's like, well, we wouldn't have to if you would stop grabbing my butt every time I walk away from my friends. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, on that note, going out or going somewhere with your friends, whether it be at dinner, like out drinking, whatever you're doing, it's always a different experience for women than it is for men. We have to worry about so many other things when we go when we go someplace like that because we're worried about like, okay, if I take this way home, like who might be following me? Is this a safe way to go home? Who am I going to leave with? Like we're routing out what what order the Uber is going to drop us off. Um, who am I going to go to the bathroom with? I have to watch my drink. Like should I buy that nail polish where if you stick it in the drink, it will turn a different color if like if you've been drunk like you have to think about so many other things and I just think that I think for men sometimes they don't they don't even know to think that way because they've never had to so when and they- that, mm-hmm. sorry and that gets back to show Walter's whole thing about the wilderness is this is the feminine experience that men don't see we could sit here and we could talk all day about things that you and I will get and a guy listening will be like well well, why, why did you not go out with that friend on Friday night, even though you wanted to? And it's like, well, because that friend's flaky and I can't walk home from a bar alone when they leave. So I can't go out with them, even though I want to. And just all the little things like that, or like, why did you not take that free drink from that guy? And it's like, because if I did, he would feel like I owed him something. And then he would pressure me into sleeping with him. Like there's so many nuances and intricacies that are surrounded by the feminine experience in the wilderness, as she calls it, that no, no man has ever had to deal with. Right. Totally. I totally, I see this. I, when I was traveling uh, a couple summers ago with my friends, I totally saw that I have a lot of guy friends and none of them ever thought twice about like, what, where are we going to walk home? Because you know, they didn't have to like keep that in their mind. So, um, yeah, I totally agree. But I have to ask, like, how many times were you like harassed or some sort of uncomfortable contact with a man in a bar? Like, cause my number is like, I can't even count anymore. I forgot. And men are, men are afraid. I think the funniest thing is when like straight men are like, I'm afraid to go to a gay bar because what if somebody touches me and or like grabs my butt and like, I don't want that kind of attention. <laughs> and it'll be the same guy who you will see grab some random girl's butt in a bar. And I, I'm like, the lion, the witch, the audacity of this bitch. I can't get past it. They really just do not get it. Yeah. Thankfully, I've never been grabbed or, or anything like that. Thankfully. I mean, it could have you happened. You are very lucky. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. I've never, I've never been, nothing like that has ever happened. Um, 
I think the other thing with this whole idea of girl code, besides going to the bathroom together is when you're out, are you, I, I feel like I always have a third eye or something that's just constantly kind of making sure that other women are okay. Like if oh, I'm, yeah. if I'm, if I'm drinking, I'm out, I'm having fun, but I see a girl in the corner by herself and I see like some guy and she's kind of swaying, like she's not really all there. I'm keeping an eye on that. Like, and I don't think that guys always really do that. I don't know. I can't make that assumption probably, but like, I feel like as a woman, part of girl code again is we're constantly monitoring those kinds of situations. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I do agree. I do. I do that. Um, speaking of female friendships, we want to segue on to another topic. Female friendships? Yes. Have you ever had a toxic friendship? How do you know when a friendship is toxic? Let's talk about friendship breakups. Has it ever happened to you? How did you deal with it? I, okay. I've had quite a few toxic friendships. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that if you are not in a healthy place with yourself, you are inviting toxic friendships into your life. I'm snapping. <laughs> it, it took it took me a long time to realize because I think that we always want to place the blame on other people. And I think it takes a long time to look in the mirror and be like, you know, I wasn't in the healthiest place in my life. And that played a part in it. It's not, I, I in no way, you know, um, saying that what they did was right, that what they did was okay, that the way they treated me was okay. But I think that you have to look at how you are in your own life and how you are inviting a certain kind of treatment into that. There's a quote from Perks of Being a Wallflower that says, we accept the love we think we deserve. And I, I so believe that. I also believe that. I've had, I've had a couple friends who our friendship just didn't, it just didn't pan out. And it wasn't because that they're awful people, they're decent people, all of them are decent people um, or anything like that. It just, I think, you know, I was, I was raised, my mom always taught me to kind of know when to hold them, know when to fold them kind of thing. You know, you, you have to know who you are and you have to know when someone crosses a line to a point where you can't accept that behavior anymore. And I think that took me a long time to kind of realize because, you know, I, I was kind of a loner for a long time, especially throughout high school. I like, I didn't really have a close tight knit, tight knit group of people. So when I got to college and I was like making all these friends, I'm like, oh my gosh, like all these people, you know, who really strummed to the same beat as me. Um, so it took me a long time to kind of be able to recognize when a friendship really wasn't right for, for either of us, not even just for me. But um, I think that there comes a point in everyone's relationship or friendship if you're really listening to your gut when you know, like, when's when. You know what I mean? I think that that also kind of comes at a point when you are healthy enough in yourself. Totally. Self-reflection. And like, sure enough in yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so just like quick moment of ladies, make sure you, you know, are doing things for you. You're meditating or you're doing yoga or you're writing or whatever it is that makes you happy. But like, just get there with yourself because that's going to make your friendship so much healthier. And like, like what your mom said, my mom also had, you know, a good saying, and it was 
that, you know, your friendships and your life is like a bouquet of flowers. And you don't want, if you don't want the same kind of flower in your bouquet. Um, and, you know, some flowers are really strong and sturdy and they're going to last a long time. And other flowers are really beautiful, but they die very quickly. And I think that what she really meant by this was not only that you can't get everything you need from one person, but also that some people are meant to come into your life and do something for you and mean something for you. And that's important, but they're not meant to stay forever. And then you have other people who are like sunflowers who are really meant to be there for the long haul. And I think that that's important. I learned a lot from those toxic friendships about myself and about what I need and about what I don't need and the boundaries I have to make. And I think that, you know, I've been able to apply those to my sturdier friendships and the ones that are more long lasting. Right. No, I totally agree with you. I think that that I have so many quotes pertaining to this. Oh my God, this is like quotes hour right now. Friends for a reason, friends for a season. A very wise person told me that one time. Friends for a reason, friends for a season. Sometimes that happens. And also another thing my mom taught me that I think is worth sharing is like, yes, if you have, if you're around people who you know you don't belong being around and they're not right for you in your life and you have a toxic friendship with whoever it is, you might have to be alone for a while. And like, that's okay. I think it's really important for every person, especially every woman to feel comfortable just being by herself for a while. Because I think that then it takes the self-awareness and the, like the self-confidence to know I'm only going to be along, alone for so long until someone comes into my life who I really jack, like really like floats my boat better. You know what I mean? So I, I also saw another quote. Can I just share this one also? Um, <laughs> it says, a woman who knows what she brings to the table is never afraid to eat alone. And I, wow, snaps for that snaps that's like sometimes you just you have to know when to hold them with people so I love that no I do and I think that this is I feel like we've been like rewriting girl code a little bit tonight like just kind of reframing it which I find very powerful but I think that that this idea of you know getting rid of toxic friendships and being alone is really important to talk about because I think as women we we feel a lot of the time like we were made for other people are made to please other people. And I think that with that, we feel that we have to be everybody's best friend. If we aren't liked by everybody, which is such a problem. No, you're never going to be liked by everybody. But as women, I feel like we have the, the stress on us to be liked by everybody more because of the fact that we feel we were made to benefit other people and to be there for other people and to help other people and nurture other people. And so if we're not liked by other people, then we're doing something fundamentally wrong, which isn't true at all. So I think that part of girl code is also getting there with yourself of realizing I don't have to be liked by everybody. I need to like myself and I need to be able to cut people out when it's not healthy. And I think that that's so much more important and so much better than I need to service everybody. I need to have everybody like me. We are so right. Girl code is more, is first about you and then about others. And I think that that's where people get it, get it wrong. You have to know the kind of people that you want in your life. You have to know that you want to be a person who champions other women. And you have to know that you want to be the kind of person who doesn't want to hurt other people. And so that's a, that's a first step that I'm glad we're addressing is like, you have to be right with yourself before you can go be right to others. 
So getting a little bit, uh, the idea of putting ourselves first, which I think is something that is very hard for a lot of women and kind of coupling this back with the idea of safety. There's something I want to discuss with this. And it's the fact that women feel the need to make other people feel okay when they're uncomfortable. So I, I know that so many women, you know, we, we talked about this a lot with like women being in bars and feeling like they have to say, oh, I have a boyfriend because they can't say no to a guy because, you know, it's better to say that, like, I don't have a boyfriend instead of I don't like you. I'm not interested because that's not OK for women to say. Uh, and I think that that always was something that was like in the back of my head. But when it really became apparent is actually right now with COVID. And so. I take the train every day uh, from Long Island into the city. And, you know, last summer when I was taking the train and I was commuting and it was obviously very crowded every day because, you know, we weren't in COVID and there wasn't the masks and there wasn't the pandemic and the whole thing. The trains would be very crowded and you would constantly be sitting next to random people. I know right now that sounds disgusting, (laughs) but (laughs) you would sit next to random people. And I think you know, there would be times where as a young woman, I would be sitting on the train and there would be empty spaces around. And, you know, an older or middle-aged man would choose to come and sit next to me instead of one of the empty spaces. And I would always feel uncomfortable in that. And I would want to get up to leave and move, but I felt trapped. I felt like if I got up and I moved, it would have been rude. And that wouldn't have been okay. But now during COVID, if I'm sitting there on the train, which is now very empty and a man came and sat next to me and I've done this multiple times where like people will come and they'll sit too close or they'll sit, you know, a row ahead, a row away instead of five rows away, whatever it is, I will get up and I will move to the other side of the train. No questions asked. And I feel like people just kind of have the thought process of like, oh, it's COVID. She's worried about her safety. She's moving. But both of those should have the same thought process. If a creepy man, and I don't mean creepy, yeah, I mean creepy. If a minimal-aged man is coming and sitting directly next to me on a train pre-COVID and me getting up and moving makes me look like I'm a bitch, but me moving five rows away because somebody is one row ahead of me on a train because of COVID and that's validated there's something wrong there. There's something fundamentally wrong with the validation of the fear of COVID, which is inherently the fear of your own safety. But we can't validate the women's fear, women's fear for their own safety of their own bodies, of being assaulted, of having something worse happen, anything. So I find this dichotomy to be fundamentally problematic and very troubling. And it's something I really want to discuss. I agree with you. No, I totally agree with you. That's I, I've thought about that too. Yeah. Like not, I'm someone, I'm not, a, I'm not a touchy feely person. I don't like people touching me. I don't like people in my own space. I don't really like crowds. I'm just, uh, maybe it's because I was raised in like not a city is I'm so used to having my own space all the time. So no, I totally get what you mean. I don't even know, like, how do we fix that? Like how, in your opinion, how do we, how do we fix that notion? I think one of the biggest things is women need to stop making men feel comfortable or validated when they're uncomfortable. I feel like 
I am, I'm definitely to blame here. Cause I've definitely lied about having a boyfriend when I didn't, when oh, I, I would come up and talk to me at a bar I've done and, I, and I want to change, I want to change that about myself. And I want to be like, if a guy in a bar, when this ever happens again, asks me for my number, I want to be like, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Instead of having to be like, no, I have a boyfriend. I'm, you know, I'm dating someone, whatever it is, because that should be normalized. And, you know, I want to feel comfortable being on a train when COVID is over. And if a guy sits next to me, getting up and moving instead of sitting there and dealing with it. I think women need to push themselves to not deal with it. And if there is backlash, I think we should say something. And I know that it's scary because you don't ever want to get into anything heated as a woman because you're worried about, you know, any sort of repercussion, of course. But I think that it's important that we stop taking it. And I think that the taking it and the dealing with it and putting, you know, males egos over our feelings of safety needs to just end. And honestly, I wish I could go on the train tomorrow and be like, I'm moving because you're creepy, not because I'm afraid of COVID. (laughs) But I wouldn't, I totally wouldn't. But I want to be able to say that I want to be able to have men recognize that their creepy behavior is no longer acceptable and I'm no longer going to take it. My thing is, have you ever like faked a phone call? Like a, you feel like a guy is about to approach you you're not interested in or who like is, get, is creeping you out or maybe being too aggressive or like just giving you a bad gut feeling and you like take a, a pretend phone call. I've done that more times than I can count. That's like my usual go-to is I'll pretend to be on the phone and be like, it is in like a crowded place. It's so, oh my gosh, so awkward, but it works. Love that. I just run away. <laughs> I just, I just duck into the crowd. That's also smart. I, but I don't like crowds. So you don't like crowds. Yeah. But, but Um, I see, I want to take that. I want to take our two reactions and I want to change them. mm -hmm. And I want men to recognize I'm, I keep bringing up Elaine Showalter's The Wilderness, but I want men to recognize the wilderness and the position that they are putting women into. And I want to be like, stop. I'm not interested. Please leave me alone now. No, thank you. And that should be sufficient. No means no. No should be enough. So if you are interested in someone on a train, this is just just continuing on with discussion. So if you're a man who's interested in some pretty girl like Lainey on the train, what is what is your best advice for him? Is he allowed to approach you in any way? What okay. what should ha- what should go down? Well, first of all, the men who would sit next to me on the train were all like middle-aged. Like these were all creepy men. Like they could have been my father. They were, they, not that my dad's creepy. I don't think my dad's creepy. <laughs> they were just, they were old enough to be my dad is what I'm saying. Like it was creepy that they wanted to sit next to this, you know, like 21 year old intern on the train instead of taking one of the empty seats or sitting next to one of the men like go sit next to one of the men don't come into my personal space when I'm clearly way too young and you realize that there's a power dynamic there I actually have been asked out by a guy on a train before (laughs) did you say yeah yeah. no I said I had a boyfriend (laughs) oh my gosh it was last, it was last summer. It was last summer. It was before I fully realized that saying that is wrong and I shouldn't be saying that, but it was also hard because I had to see him on the train every day because commuters take the same train. 
And we were on a very small line. So I would see him every day and I didn't want to ruin, you know, that nice, friendly, hello kind of thing. Um, But I think that if by some serendipitous, you know, happenstance that I meet the love of my life on a train, uh, first of all, do like the eye contact thing first, you know, um, just like kind of do that. If I kind of smile or something like, yeah, take a seat or strike up a conversation or maybe sit in the aisle next to mine and talk to me. Don't just like plop down into my personal space and be the age of my, uh, of somebody who could be my dad and, you know, have like white hair and stare at me while I have my music in and I'm like scrunching into the corner. It's about kind of reading the room. We read the room when read we read the train, read yes. the room, read the car, read, read the, the environment, car. read whatever it is. Men, you do not just exist to take up women's space. You need to learn this. <laughs> All right. On that note, this has been a great conversation. Do you have anything else you want to, you want to talk about tonight? Uh, Ladies, rewrite your girl code, remember to empower women, remember to empower yourselves, and also always remember what you are saying does make sense. Thanks, everyone.